Hello, and welcome to another episode of Damn Loves Crazy. Um, on this week's episode, I have some of my friends, Kristen, Peter, and Zach, and we're talking about, um, kind of like as an ally, I guess, how you can help the movement and educate yourselves. Um, I just wanted to say that this episode isn't meant to like paint them or other allies as like, these white saviors that are helping lead the movement and save the movement. No, it's just kind of like, it's important for other people to get involved. Um, it doesn't matter the color of your skin, we're all a part of the movement, we all should be. And yeah, I hope you guys like the episode. Welcome, yes, you- guys. Starting? Wait. Hi. Uh, they can't see you. No, but me. Oh, I get it. Okay, welcome, you guys. Thanks for being a part. I'm excited. Always nervous, but always excited. Um, you guys want to introduce yourselves? What is going on? Okay, yeah, we'll introduce ourselves. You first. Uh, I'm Zach. <laughs> I'm Peter. I'm Kristen. Okay. <laughs> um, these are the only whites I trust guys so welcome um so honored to be here yeah (laughs) thank you I just um (laughs) no but I think I brought them on because I think they have an interesting perspective when it comes to all these things for the movement and everything seeing as how they're white but they actually do their part and help which I think is cool um so yeah let's get into it (laughs) um this might be more of like an interview thing which is weird but like we'll see how it goes i'm down with that all right i'm prepared yeah um okay do you think that there's a difference between being an ally versus an accomplice and which one do you think you are Um, uh, We kind of talked a little bit about this before, but can you kind of define what you think an accomplice is to you? Mm -hmm. Um, So I was actually talking to my brother about this earlier, but um, I think an ally is kind of more, well, I'm going to give the answer away, but um, I think an ally has kind of become more performative in the sense that everyone loves to be like, I'm an ally, but it's like, okay, cool. But like, what are you doing? Are you just like, saying black lives matter or you showing that they matter um whereas an accomplice i think is actually very dedicated to the cause they're i mean doing what you guys are doing educating yourselves um going out being a part of the movement going to protests helping organize or organizing it yourself um and yeah just educating other people okay yeah i think yeah, being an ally and being an accomplice is a big difference. I feel like a lot of white people feel like they're allies, and I think they want to be allies, but I think a lot of them don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. I think that they think maybe by signing a few petitions and posting a few things on Instagram, they might think they're an ally, which they can be, yes, but I think that there's more steps they need to take to be an ally and then even more to be an accomplice. That makes sense. Period. Anyone else? Boys? I mean, I don't think that the necessarily label matters all that much. It really mm-hmm. does matter about staying active and what you're doing and doing your part as much as you can. 
Yeah. Um, for Kristen, you know, she's doing a lot of the protest stuff, and I feel like it's pretty cool. Um, for me, um, it's a little bit different. I'm a part of an organization called OBBL. It's the Organization for the Betterment of Black Lives. And uh, a lot of what that is, is we have weekly meetings and uh, people come on and they tell about um, their experiences and we, we dive into all of the issues that people have in day-to-day -day lives, just not kind of the things that we see on social media. And that's really been an eye-opener for me. I feel like education in that way and knowing all the different ways is a good way to become, in your definition, an accomplice. Mm. Um, but again, I, I don't think the... I think that action is what matters and not perceiving yourself as an accomplice or an ally. I think that mm -hmm. titles are, are lousy and uh, yeah. a lot of people will see you in a certain way, but they don't know what you're doing behind the scenes. So I feel like it's really about the individual and taking action. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like once you start labeling is when it starts becoming performative. Mm -hmm. Like I've yeah. never gone up to anyone and said, I'm an ally, I'm an accomplice. I just, like, well, it seems like just when you do. say that, you try to like prove to yourself that yeah. you exactly it's not about us as individuals it's about the movement it's about trying to make a change exactly yeah i, I mean i think like I, the same thing you said like a lot of people by saying like you're an ally you think that that like that's it like you, you've done enough kind mm -hmm. of like, like people stop there like you can like obviously a lot of people support the movement but it's like what are you doing um to like help change it you know it's like obviously to be an ally there's more to it than just saying like i support black lives matter like you have to it's about educating yourself and then like changing and help changing the system and going to these things and um i think when people say or at some point it's like it's less about being publicly a supporter more about like personally changing yourself and then by like zach said like behind the scenes like what are you saying to other people or like what are you changing Exactly. Are there any like specific parts of the movement that you guys are kind of drawn to? Like I know recently I became more passionate about prison reform and ab abolition and why that's so important and why our prison system is not working right now. It never really did. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to do my part to help, I don't know, at least educate myself and other people in that and how it can be changed. Um, so yeah, you guys into anything specific or what? Um, I'll go first. Um, there's a few things. Ever since I was in high school, I've always been interested in mass incarceration and I've always, like in the future, I don't know the job I'm gonna have, but I've always wanted to work in the prison system and work by reforming prison systems and somehow ending mass incarceration, mm -hmm. which is something that's a huge job and will probably not even start with me, but there's a long way to go, obviously. Um, and that's a big factor of this movement right now. And another thing I've been interested in is um, healthcare, uh, like black people's access to healthcare is incredibly different. And uh, from what people realize, I learned about that a lot this past semester at school. And especially now that like, coronavirus is getting worse. Um, it's just, I'm trying to think, I know some facts. It's like black men are six times as likely to die from like AIDS and other like diseases and like other health issues than mm -hmm. white people just because they don't have access to healthcare. And I think that's something really important that a lot of people don't know about because especially in times like right now, like they're dying at a much higher rate than white people. Yeah. And that's something that needs to be brought attention to. Yeah. I mean, it's like partly 
the lack of resources, I guess, in terms of healthcare, but also just the fact that doctors tend to not take like our pain seriously in the mm -hmm. sense that like tons and tons of black women have died or been seriously injured because we say we we're in pain or something's wrong but it's just like oh no you're fine like you're strong it's whatever but um yeah so i think it's important to really like if you are trying to become a healthcare professional i'm not saying you i'm talking in general um to know that like all pain should be taken seriously it's not just yeah. one individual over another exactly. but yeah that's me next. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, a big, a, a lot of, I don't like to delve into, um, I don't like to focus on just one uh, topic. I've been trying to pace myself in a way that I can really attack all the issues. Um, me and my buddy Adam, we kind of, we go week by week and we try to educate ourselves on different topics. Um, but one that I've always been really interested in, it's one that you guys both touched on, but uh, I read, oh, a couple of semesters ago, I wrote a 3000 word um, essay on prisons and what's wrong with them and solutions. And um, so I've always been pretty fired up about that. And uh, it is very lopsided in the way that um, black males are incarcerated at way higher rates than almost anybody else. Um, black people, uh, the black population is 13% of the U.S. population, and they make up 38% of our prison systems. So that just doesn't add up. Mm -hmm. um, and, ter and per capita, black people are 2.8 and change 2.8 times more likely to be um, killed by police per capita. 2.8 times that of a white person. And so, like, I try to go into each topic and I try to learn as much as I can about everything. But um, I think that a lot of the big issues are kind of what we see on social media a lot. And I feel like it's up to us to, um, to really find the facts in that and um, be able to, to, to use those facts to find people who are gonna make changes or be the person who's gonna be the change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, something I've been interested in uh, towards me that I think really based out of Brooklyn and they um they're like chained like they make these like cool t-shirts and stuff that is raising money and they have like black power kitchen um but then they partner with a bunch of restaurants in brooklyn and they hand out like thousands of meal free meals to people mm -hmm. um but like they're saying uh what i like is like a lot of these areas are allocated as food deserts um and they're always you know person like they're always areas that are on like majority persons of color neighborhoods and they're like we don't like the term food desert because that implies a natural occurrence when obviously this is a completely unnatural and like a systematic allocation of food yeah um and so i, I mean i've I, I love food and i've gotten into cooking a lot and like that kind of that issue struck with me because like I, you know everybody should have access to healthy food <laughs> um and that's one of the ways of that and then kind of tying it with that was education because again with like you've seen with like redlining and allocation of funding it's like per like minority neighborhoods like their uh educ like the quality of education is a lot lower and then food ties into that because it's like you have the kids who are their only access to food are school lunches and then like the schools with no funding can't really provide as good lunches and then it just creates that cycle yeah i even think to how like in public public schools uh, um 
you know, they have reduced cost lunches, but even then they were trying to get rid of that program, at least at my college, even they were trying to get rid of that program. It's like, how are these people going to eat? Yeah. You know, they can't afford a meal plan um, at this ridiculously expensive institution. So what are they supposed to do? And even during the summer, it's like these kids, young kids aren't getting access to the nutrition that they need. So it's like, how can we help? Um, I know that in Brooklyn, I think, I know there's one in the Bronx, they have, um, they're having like big fridges that are out on the street and it's free for everyone. Um, if you need food, you just go and grab it, which is really cool. Um, hopefully they make more of those, but we'll see. Oh, Kristen, do you want to talk about We Are, to, we Are America? Um, I can talk about it a little bit. So We Are America is a group uh, founded by me, Jaden Hasbury, and Janasia Ellerby. And we had never really met before everything happened. And then um, I was thinking about starting a protest, but I was like, I don't really know if people would come in this area. So I decided not to do it. And then someone told Jaden I was thinking about it. He reached out to me and then he got Danasia involved. And then we just kind of started planning a protest. Uh, we didn't really know where we were going to take it. Um, and we did our first one and it was huge. We had like 600 people there. I could, didn't even think that this, that many people in Black Lives Matter, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and after that, so many people kept coming up to us asking what we were going to do next. So we're like, oh, maybe we should continue with this. So We Are America is becoming a profit, nonprofit organization where we're going to continue to um, support the Black Lives Matter movement. We're going to continue to organize more protests. Um, we're going to create a website that has lists of resources where you can help, where you can educate yourself, like books, websites, movies, um, things like that. Um, we have a lot more ideas. We want to create like skeletons of our protests so people in other states can start protesting uh, with us because I know everyone wants to protest, but it's really hard to know where to start. Yeah. And so I think having those resources and knowing how to protest is really important. And so that's another thing we're going to start working towards. Um, a few other things that I don't know if I want to share yet, but um, yeah, it's the really cool organization that I'm really happy to be a part of, um, but it's just getting started. So, yeah. I'm so proud every time you talk about it. <laughs> uh, we really love to see it. Um, yes, Zach, OBBL, you're telling me um, about how you guys, you're starting a podcast, right? Yeah, actually, our first episode dropped tonight. Um, but yeah, so first OBBL. I'm hearing about it. <laughs> yeah, OBBL, um, the Organization for the Betterment of Black Lives. Uh, my buddy Adam Mullins, um, he's kind of started with his friend Shane, and um, it's it's for it's kind of an outlet um, for people to talk about their experiences, but it's also so that every week we can talk about things that we can stay active with. And um, I, I find a lot of power into it. And I felt like it was, it's, a, it's great for what it is, but I kind of wanted, me and Adam, we were always kind of talking about the issues one-on-one -on -one about like the issues that were brought into it. And I was like, mm -hmm. I kind of like the one-on-one -on -one format a little bit better because you can go back and forth and really go into detail with things. Yeah. And I was, you know, we worked together and we were talking about these things and we go to protests together and we kind of, we, we talk about these issues and we're kind of educating ourselves as we go along. And um, I was like, why are we not um, making this like a thing? Like, why are we not making a podcast? And he was like, that's a genius idea. And I was like, oh. So then we kind of got in the works about it. And um, 
we for a couple of weeks we kind of just mulled over what that would look like and we got a lot of ideas down for the type of topics that we would do and um what we were kind of hoping to gain from it and the the game from it is that we want to educate ourselves and as we educate ourselves on different topics we want to show this education and help other people learn as we learn mm -hmm. um, so that's a pretty big part of what we're trying to do um, another thing that OBL is a part of is that um we're kind of a creative, a young creative group for a bigger uh, budget um, organization. And uh, that budget that they have is about $300,000. And so we're, we're in a spot where we can creatively actually make like a difference with a lot of money behind it. Um, so that's another thing that we do. Um, it, I think the Instagram is obbl.george on Instagram. And um, if you guys want to, if anybody wants to join that or contact us, or um, if you want to email me and Adam for topics that we can go over on Tough Talks, it's toughtalks2020 at gmail.com. And uh, so both of those organizations, both of those organizations are kind of working towards awareness and education. And um, we're always looking for new people who are actually for it because we've lost a lot of members recently because, you know, the fake, the fake people, the, the I'm an ally people have kind of fallen off. And uh, we're looking for some more solid members. So that's always a thing that, you know, we're, we're looking for. I want to join. Yeah, yeah, I was just about to say. <laughs> um, we have a weekly meeting for OBEL. Um, it's going to be on Sunday at nine, most nights. Um, so if that's something you want to do, just let me know. I can add you guys to the group chat. It's a, it's a pretty good time. Um, to ask to add about um, what we were talking about earlier, um, we had a guy named Ethan, and a big uh, topic that I've been kind of thinking about, and one of the ones that we're going to educate ourselves more on is um, he said that he went to the school, and he realized that a lot of people from a lot of um, underfunded school systems got the college behind the ball, and so that's kind of something that we want to talk about: um, unequal public schooling and education. Mm -hmm. But uh, that was just kind of in the back of my head. It's kind of one of those things that we kind of talk about in OBBL to give you an idea of what we really do in there. Peter, yeah. it's okay if you don't have anything. Don't I'm going to edit this anyway. <laughs> uh, I'm, you know, I'm a self, self-educating person right now. Period. Listen, that's a lot. Like, it might not seem like anything to yeah, you, but that's a lot. Start asking me for book reviews. He's my book guy. We have a lot of <laughs> things in store for him. The vanishing you have a book club. You guys really are married. He's, uh, you know, he's the guy who's uh, who's always educating himself silently, and uh, he's that recommended a lot of good books. And and I need to figure out who the author of this book is. He, he's. I'm reading one right now. It's called Stamp that he's recommended to me. It's by uh, Jason Reynolds, and mm -hmm. that's it's a pretty good one. It's about um, the history of racism and uh, anti-racist and racist, and kind of from the beginning. Um, recommend that book for sure i have some really good books if you guys ever want recommendations. oh you know i'm gonna link that shit when i post this yeah, um, I got so please i'm reading right one, now one of my favorite books i've read is called being a black man and each chapter is written by a different person and they're like their experience of being a black man one is about their lack of health care one is about being a dad and the lack of dads and stuff like that another one is about being um he got arrested but as someone else and they never ran fingerprints or anything but he's like i didn't do it you have the wrong guy and they never believed him because black meat looked like the person that they were trying to arrest um there's another one about a black man who's republican and worked for the bush administration um there's a lot of cool chapters it's just it's definitely a different perspective that you never really learned like thought about i recommend
you're send them my way. Um, I was actually reading, is it yesterday, today? Um, about like, this is <laughs> um, black cis heteronormativity. That's a big word. Um, but it's kind of like the idea that even in the black community, which is weird because you like black trans women have pioneered so many movements and black queer women in general, general. but um, how in the black communities, there's so many like, there's so much homophobia. And it's weird because that wasn't like in Africa centuries and centuries ago. Yes, that. Um, that was really commonplace like you know men would men would have sex with other men and it was completely fine women would have um kind of like multiple wives and such and it was completely fine but it's kind of the way that um colonized um they spread the idea that homopho that of homophobia you know that having same-sex relationships is bad which I thought was interesting because I never even thought about that. I didn't know that it, back in the day in Africa that they had same-sex relationships. Um, so that was really interesting to read. But never heard of that actually either. So. Yeah, education. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, uh, anyway, <laughs> um, okay, Peter, Peter, yeah. you. I was thinking about the other day how you were telling me. Um, or when you reached out to me a couple weeks ago, how you were telling me that you found it interesting when I was talking during the first episode because you never even thought of some of these microaggressions that happened in high school. <laughs> yeah. I thought you might want to touch on that. Here in uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I was thinking about it um, kind of, like, early on. Like, it was, like, literally after I listened to your podcast and I immediately called you because I was like, holy crap. Like, um... Uh, it was so weird, like, thinking about it, because, like, now, like, I feel like I wouldn't say it, but that's also, like, kind of part of the thing, like, you have to, like, it's one of those things, like, I kind of looked, I was, like, I would never say that, and then I thought about it, and it's, like, oh, wait, I definitely did, because it was just so normal, especially, like, at our high school, it was so normalized to, like, and I think, um, and, like, you, like, I know, like, I know, I definitely know I said, like, you know, I've, I definitely said, I know I said to, like, a black friend of mine, like, you're an Oreo, or, you know, you're, you sound like, like, and I, I don't know why I Sorry. said kind of part of, like, it was just kind of how normalized it was, and, like, I look back, and, like, I hate that that happened, um, but they, like, the, it was, it kind of, like, shocked me how this, like, kind of integrated into, like, the culture of high school it was, that, like, yeah. that are, like, the black students at our school were st such a small percentage that everybody was, just, like, they, they were like an anomaly to everybody and nobody really took it like I don't you know like the, to me like you kind of say to yourself like oh everybody's just a person and like they're equal footing but like like the stories I'm starting to hear now it's like it was way different like yeah. you, you just kind of you don't notice and it's it's shocking to hear like I, I'm sad that it happened I agree yeah high school was hell <laughs> like I never realized how much racism was going on at our school because I felt like I was always in this little white bubble um, and I just didn't notice and it makes me mad that I never noticed because like you that just directly shows my privilege as a white person like I never noticed racism at our school I never had to face that and you never realize it until now yeah <laughs> 
I try not to relive that too much, but um, a friend of mine, a friend of ours, Kristen Mia, um, she was, I don't want to reduce it to exposing, but like she was kind of bringing light to all of the um, racism that's happened in both our town and in our schools. And like a bunch of people were first shocked, which is good, you should be shocked, um, but also kind of in denial which was really interesting to me because it's like we grow up or we grew up in a predominantly white town. Um, there were a good amount of racists in this white town. Um, so it's like, why are you trying to ignore what happened and what is still happening? And I get that it's uncomfortable, but it's very much necessary to, especially now more than ever, but it's really necessary to just kind of examine these ideas that have been set in place because guess what? It came from somewhere. We didn't just poof one day and we're like, oh, black people, monkeys. Racism you know. taught. Racism is definitely taught. And I think it, it's uh, like, I think problem, the problem people have with accepting it is just like, it, it, it's the whole like, I, um, I just started reading How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. Mm-hmm. And I've read like the first 20 pages. I read, I started today. And like immediately, it's it's kind of, it's the whole thing with like, even with microaggressions or just in general, when you say like, I'm not a racist, like, well, you know, you're, you like you say that, but like your actions speak differently. And like, you might not think bad about people, but like with microaggressions, you don't know you're doing it. Like it's kind mm-hmm. of just, something you've been so used to saying or hearing and like um and when people when you realize you've said that I guess every you know people think you have to acknowledge yourself as a racist when you say that but it's more of saying like those are racist ideas and those are part of the problem and that that needs to change and like Mm -hmm. by seeing how uncomfortable you are with yourself being like that is the problem like you like you shouldn't have said in the first place but then Mm -hmm. Once you're uncomfortable, you need to, that's the sign to change. And I think for some reason people get uncomfortable and then they don't want to change. So they just kind of suppress it. They're like, you know, well now I won't do it, but it's like, you're going to say it again if you don't personally change yourself. Yeah. I think it was um, interesting, Zach, what you said earlier about how like labels don't really matter, which is true because like, you don't have to be like, oh, I was so racist. Like, I'm so sorry. It's like, cool, but just change your actions and, educate yourself a lot of it is a personal battle yeah. not even a battle it's a personal self-evaluation you know you 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 look about who you are like you be honest with yourself and you decide well who you really are and what you really believe in and then you make a conscious change but you don't tell everybody like hey I'm <laughs> you know like you just go and you do things that obviously aren't racist yeah you no, know, you go and you start making changes. You go because it's you know it. It doesn't take a lot to to post a black screen, you know, on Instagram and then go to a couple of protests. <laughs> you know, like it does not take a lot of effort to go mm-hmm. down headlock and go stand on a corner one day so you have your Instagram pics. And I, I've done some of that too, but it's just you know it's not like the basis of what I've been doing. You know. It's at first, the very beginning, so that I could try to inspire people so that people could realize, hey, no, this is the time 
that if you're going to be on board, you need to be on board now because people are going to start coming for nets. You know, we're going to start <laughs> calling people out. That's how you make real changes. You know, if I'm going to go, if Peter wasn't the person that he is right now, you know, I'd be letting Peter know like dog, get on board (laughs) because this shit is we're done with it man we're ready to make some changes like i don't know about the generations before us but like i i internalize and like at night sometimes i can't sleep thinking about some of these issues and Mm -hmm. it it, like i'm not the type of person to cry but i've literally cried about it and so like if you're not having the same type of pain that that i'm having or you know, like, if you don't have the same type of feelings, then you should really think about the type of person that you are. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that needs to try to inspire people to change, change the little things. Like Peter said, the, the things that you didn't realize were bad. You know, like, I'm, I'm not perfect. I've, I've done a lot of things when I was younger, but it's acknowledging the fact that you did it. And it's, move, it's, it's moving on and building on to being a better person and being an active person in this battle. Because that's what it is. It's, it's us as young people because a lot of the older people are not going to help us. It's us as the younger generation going against the system so that we can better the lot for the betterment of black lives. We're trying to do something and we need as as much help as we can. And I just, I, sorry for yelling. I get angry. No, you're fine. You're passionate about about it. It's just, you know, it, it's more, it's, it's the little things and it's, it's on an individual level. That was well said. Damn. This man, this man's spitting. This man's spitting. Um, On Spotify. (laughs) I, this can be edited out. I don't care. Last night, night, oh, you know, you said something about how like you have trouble sleeping. And last night I had a dream that I I was at a golf course. I'll go fast. And a white woman shot this black man. And I had to wait with him until the ambulance came. The ambulance took so long to come because they didn't want to come get him. And I had to take care of him so he didn't die. And it was really scary. Okay. Yes. Cause Zach reminded oh. me of that fucking black screens thing. What, like two weeks ago? Oh. I was so mad. Kristen, you saw my Twitter, bro. I was going I, I, I did not post when I'm like, this is I not going to help anyone. So mad. I was like, so y'all can. a good thing. And then it yeah, ended up. The thing was, is that it just Everybody bailed out up. a lot of people. And blew up the hashtag when it... It, it overcrowded the hashtag. I couldn't see any information. There's, there's a guy I know that was posting a lot of resources and information and shit, which, like, yeah, I can look for myself, but I'm not going to see everything. He was posting so many good things, I couldn't see it, because everywhere on my fucking feed is black 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 oh my god i was so mad how can people post black squares but they can't post resources or information how people blew up the hashtag like like everybody was like hey don't use this hashtag and everybody was like yeah but i want to use the hashtag they just wanted to say black lives matter yeah they just yeah they just wanted to say black lives matter and it's like you know like you can like i when i post i did post a square so did and I. Like, I delete that shit. Yeah, I, I used the like I used the right hashtag. You know, like mm-hmm. everybody was like, "Hey, use Blackout Tuesday," because like no information is coming through on Blackout Tuesday, and it's like, okay, and, like I was. Yeah. It was very performative, I think, for some people. Extremely. And, they, hook and they said, "Only post a black square and be done." And I think if you posted a black square and you continue to do stuff like, like Peter and Zach, like that's amazing. That's what you should be doing, but. You're gonna post a single black square and be like, oh, 
did my good deed for the movement and done now, that's an issue. Well, you post the black square and then you post a beach pic. Oh my God. <laughs> that part. Yeah. Do you know how many, you know, I can't name names on here, but do you know how many people I know, I'm not friends with, but I know okay, that are just like, Black Lives Matter. Next second, oh my God, the beach missed me, like this sun, summertime, and the living is so good. For who? What For that? you. Yeah. Why do they want to Corona? Like, where? go home. Yeah. But one, one of the things that came out of that, that like, I'm glad came out of it, at least, not, not in a good way, um, but uh, was that it was, there's was a whole, it was something it was like one of the instagram feeds that somebody reposted that i saw and it was like how your travel like why posting travel pics is kind of supporting systemic racism and like or how how traveling doesn't support you and i was like when i first saw that i was like no way traveling can be racist and then i was like oh wait no that's an obvious thing and it was like you know like being like it's just another part of white privilege that you can go anywhere you want one you can afford to go where you want because mm-hmm. you know um statistically that's a large wealth distribution like um this is distribution but then like it, it follows like you know like going places and being judged for the color of your skin or, like going places and not being able to get information or going places and not being you know and like or like going places and um like when you go you're indirect you're directly affecting this racist systems in that country you know by like through whatever labors they may have and it was just kind of i like at least out of a bunch of girls posting beach pics, I got to see something that was informative. Um, now, obviously, you shouldn't be posting beach pics. Yeah. But, like, at least the, somebody was like... It's not like, just girls. Okay. Yeah, I know. I've seen you guys <laughs> do right. it. Okay. I've, I've seen my brother's Equality. Friends. This isn't a good one this time, but equality. Yeah. Um, you know, my favorite pastime is when I'm going on a trip to look up, are they racist in this city? Are they racist in this country? I, I they probably know. are, but... Can I ask what you use? happens. Oh. Um, Ariana, can I ask what you use to determine who, like, how, like, a city's racist? Like, I, I'm like, what you, what you think? Um, that's a good question. Well, um, where's the last place I went on vacation? It's been a while because I'm broke. Um, or even places I, that happen like you. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> um... Well, it's kind of like, okay, so let's take New York, right? Is this area, does this area have a good amount? I like to joke, I'm like, I know I'm on the right train when there's a lot of white people on it, um, because that's Manhattan for you. Peter, you're going to be right at home there. Um, (laughs) But no, like, seriously, it's... I'll be the, I don't know. (laughs) we'll figure it out um but yeah it's like is there a good amount of black people in this area okay cool um are there is there historically like some sort of problem with black people in that area like um i wanted to go to texas recently for my next trip but there's this town in texas called vidor vidor i don't know but it was, it's like the most racist town in America ever. There was one black person living there for like years and then they killed him off. <laughs> and then more black people started to live there and they very frequently lynch people, you know, 
um, lure them into traps, like beat them. There's like a whole bunch of stuff. And I saw an ad on, on um, Twitter, I think, and it was like a protest in Vidor and everyone's like, no, don't go there. This is a very racist town. Um, they're known for trying to lynch or actually lynching black. So that's kind of how I try to determine whether a place is racist or not, which is funny because we definitely went <laughs> on vacation to Charleston and we definitely took pictures with those racist ass Confederate soldiers, um, like the statues, I mean. Yeah. We even wait. No, we definitely went to one of their fucking like battle spots or whatever the hell. So I don't know what I was doing there. But um... okay. Do you guys have any like I hate to call it advice, but like advice on how people can educate themselves, which you kind of already touched on, but go ahead. The floor is yours. Books. Yeah, my biggest thing is reading. <laughs> Stamped, Ibram X. Kendi and Jason Reynolds. Yes. You can also get stamped from the very beginning just by Ibram X. Kendi, but this is like for kids. Well, not for kids, but like this it's is like easy the, to read. This is okay. Easy to read. Yeah. yeah, like I've been reading a lot of books. Like I've been trying. Like I, like I said, I have. I, I started reading How to Be an Anti Racist. I've also been reading the autobiography of Malcolm X. Period. Um, Period. No, I'm sorry. That shit. Yes. Wow. If more white people read read the it, whole, the whole like so obviously it fits like it's one of the like if you go on like the New York Times like the author of that book we just showed he has a ha like anti racist reading list, um and the autobiography of Malcolm X is on there a lot and a lot of reading lists for it, but mm -hmm. the you know I, when I started following Sean King, you know, like the guy who's been doing a lot of Black Lives Matter stuff and he's been he's like the or one of the organizers of grassroots the grassroots organization, grassroots law. Um, he said that the autobiography of Malcolm X is like literally what made what made him who he is today and like why he does all the, the work he does. And so as soon as he said that, I was like, yeah, okay, gotta get this book. Um, Cause like, I mean, if it has such an impact on one person to like literally work for free fighting injustice and um, helping victims of you know, police brutality and all that, like, the book's important. <laughs> and then also, I, it kind of falls into, like, the whole, you know, whitewashed history, like, Malcolm X, like, I don't, Malcolm X came up a little, like, a little bit, but it was, I can never, like, really remember if it was more in, like, a bad, like, I kind of remember it being, like, bad, like, Malcolm X, you know, Malcolm X was, like, the violent He's side violent. of the suppression. He said, like, kill bad. white people. Like, yeah, and so it's, like, you know, this, by, this book is, like, helping me learn what he was actually like and like what the real truths are. Mm -hmm. I want to read that. I haven't read any of the books that are like on the recommended things. I've read a lot of the books that my teachers have recommended to me and I wish, I don't think anyone knows about them, but I wish more people did because they're really good. Yeah. I've, been, I've also been trying to read like fiction books and oh. like, like, um, like how, like, you know, you got to support uh, black authors cause like they're, like uh, when I said I showed Ariana the Fire Mag Lit Mag, and I showed Zach that mm -hmm. it was like black speculative fiction. Mm -hmm. But like I, I was actually kind of like, is like two of the books that I read at Northview were like, what some of the recommended like it was Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston and The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison, which are both incredible books. And I was like, okay, so at least I was like, I was like, you know, we got two, but 
so I was I was really happy to have read those but I was like why were those the only two like I would have really enjoyed mm. more of them but like I've been mm-hmm. trying to read fiction too because I you know I love fiction and like so I just finished The Vanishing Half which like came out really recently by an author it was about in like the 60s these two black daughter black black young women who are very light-skinned one chooses to pass as white and one chooses to pass as black and like how that affects their daughters later on and everything that was an incredible book I call? Uh, it's called the vanishing half by brit by brit bennett i'm gonna have to link all this shit it goes, that's it okay. goes into like it's cool because like fiction you know is so entertaining and like it like page turning but at the same time like it addressed a lot of issues about like in the 60s and 70s like the obsession with like being light-skinned and how people yeah. of darker skin color within like within the black community how people of darker skin color were you know shamed upon or like you weren't allowed and it's it was crazy because like some of these things malcolm x talked about in his autobiography like how people went like if you had light skin they wouldn't let you go out in the sun because they didn't want you to get darker because like being lighter like the dom the acceptable trait i was like this is like the it's awesome and like a fiction book is so entertaining but at the same time like teaches you a lot mm-hmm. being like lighter skinned has always been a thing ever since slavery mm-hmm. like i learned about that the lighter skinned slaves were always the ones working in the house mm-hmm. and they were always the ones that were they were never treated well obviously but they're all, all treated a little bit better than the other slaves yeah because they were seen as more beautiful and closer to white they still are quite honestly um light skins are kind of like I don't want to say the phase but you know what I mean like mm-hmm. they're the thing everyone wants to be light skin right if not Jamaica wouldn't produce so much cake soap you guys know, you guys know what cake soap is right it's mm-hmm. kind of like um, it's like soap it is soap but yeah it kind of oh the other recordings are floated sorry um it kind of has like <laughs> it has skin bleach in it yeah so it you know, you bathe with it and shit, and it makes your skin lighter, but it's so bad for your skin. Sorry, Peter, what'd you say? That's been going on for, like, hundreds of years, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like and even... It's still a thing, like... I hate it here. Positivity. <laughs> skin color positivity. Yeah. Yes, go ahead. Okay, this one book is called Nobody, mm-hmm. and it's really interesting because, well, nobody... The, the title nobody is kind of like vague, you don't really know what it means, but as you're reading it, it's like, whoa, because nobody is like how black people feel in America, like they're seen as nobody, they're treated like nobody, like nobody cares about them and stuff like that, and each chapter starts with a different um, murder of a black life, and then it goes into the history of that, um, of that city, and like laws that have been passed in that city, and it kind of shows like what leads up to um, that black person being killed. And like, they, they talked about Eric Garner um, in Ferguson, that was in Ferguson. Mm. Yeah, and they talked about in Flint, Michigan. Is that in Ferguson? I really, it's gonna sound so bad, but I really don't remember because all of them just kind of blend in my mind, quite honestly. It just what happens. jumbles up in there. But they talk about Flint, Michigan, how like the water's never clean. Oh, I'm sorry, Ferguson was Michael Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but it's a very good book. You should read that one. And also the Black Male Handbook is really good because it's similar to being a black man in how it talks about um, stories of black men. But in the back of the book, it's really cute because 
There's like recommended safe spaces for black males. It tells you about recommended music and CDs for black men. And it tells you like how to um, like take care of yourself when what to wear to job interviews, which is really cool because I think those are resources that not a lot of black men know. And to have them all on the back of a book, I'm like, wow, it's pretty cool. I've been kind of sticking more towards um, history books type type books. Um, stamped is a, a history book, just kind of a more kind of style, but it's still history. Um, I feel like a lot of what we learned in grade school is uh, very whitewashed, and I feel like it pay, paints a lot of bad people uh, good. Mm. I think that um, I've tried my best to kind of cast away anything that I've kind of learned history-wise in school. And I'm trying to start from scratch. Um, so another good book for that, um, Before the Mayflower, is a good one um, that me and Adam have been reading together, and we're going to be using it a little bit in our podcast. But um, it's pretty much just a history book. And um, I, I, I've been trying to, to learn history with black history included because mm -hmm. I feel like it's not represented well and the history that is represented is never in a good light and it, it just repaints history the wrong way and the only way that we can prevent ourselves from letting the same things happen is to properly learn the history that actually happened even if it's ugly so I've been kind of going through and trying to teach myself bit by bit and you know it's history is long and it's it's been some of it's kind of hard to digest so I've you know you sometimes you have to slow down and take it bit by bit but it it's important and I've been trying to kind of learn that um so I haven't I I stay closer to the history side right now as I kind of come up and I'll I educate myself um on some of the current issues as well but that's kind of where I'm at right now is trying to learn a complete history so that people can see that these are trends yeah. and that even though there's no slaves technically in you know the united states anymore you know it they're the black population is slaves to the system and discrimination has just been rebranded and legalized again and again as we've gone on and to be able to look at history and realize that that hasn't stopped yet it kind of puts things in perspective and realize that we, we still have things to do and that we can't let people be complacent i think that history helps us you know realize that Mm. Yeah. Um, you were saying how slavery like in our society have you guys ever heard about how NCAA athletics is really similar to slavery I, yeah, I read one I mean, of those like, articles yeah it's like, especially football games the football team is um, majority black and the fans watching are in this like arena I guess I'm, whatever they're called stadiums that's the word I couldn't think of it most of the people watching are white and they're cheering on these black men their bodies are getting, like they're paid for their bodies, you know mm -hmm. I mean? Like they have these white boosters, they're on scholarship and they don't get money or anything. Like there's a lot more to go into it, but it's a really big theory that people have been like learning about how NCAA athletics, like football and basketball are just so similar to sleep. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I, I, I literally just had an epiphany, like, <laughs> Uh, so it was when we, when we talked about history and like being whitewashed. So like when I lived in South Africa, literally every single year for six years that I was there, we learned about apartheid in mm -hmm. history. Like every, like all year be like, okay, history class. And then be like, we're going to do two months of apartheid. Then we're going to move on. And like 
towards the end, I was like, I've literally learned about it for six years and it's kind of like the same stuff and then slowly getting more in depth. And I was, you know, like you learn about it and like you, like I, towards the end, you're like, why am I still learning about it? And I just kind of like sat here. I was like, holy crap. Like you, like obviously like it was such a huge deal in South Africa that, you know, you were learning about it so that it wouldn't repeat itself, but you also have to acknowledge that it happened and like the atrocities that happened and everything. And now I'm like thinking about how U.S. schools just don't do that. And now there's the, like the whole outcry now that you have to acknowledge that slavery happened and that the whole country has been built on slavery. Um, crazy epiphany I just had. Well, I was just like, it's different how like, um, and when I, like Grassroots Law, who I follow, they said that they're starting, they're trying to create, I don't know what it actually will be, but like some form that's modeled after the council or the the Council of Reconciliation, which happened in South Africa, where like after as soon as apartheid ended, they like Desmond Tutu in his church had allowed like white people to come in and admit what they did and like say what they did and like how um, how racist they were, like how they benefited from apartheid, and then they were like they were forgiven for their actions but there's also just you have to acknowledge that that happened they get to change yeah i'm glad that that's happening but it was kind of crazy to think about that like the u.s was really just kind of like pushing it down like we haven't really you don't learn about as much as you should and like when i thought about my time in a different country when you literally learn about it every year because you have to they wanted you to understand what happened Mm -hmm. kristen did um (laughs) our history teacher from high school, did Brown ever tell you about how they learned um, or what they learned about the Civil War when he was growing up? Um, not that I can remember. He said, <laughs> imagine this, y'all. This wasn't too long ago. Like, he was in high school in what, like, the 80s? Um, he, <laughs> they learned that the South won the Civil War. Okay, what? Not the Union, the Confederacy won the Civil War. This was in Florida. This is a state over. Like when he he didn't know until he was like probably like around our mm, maybe a little after our age, like twenty two, twenty three. What? Yeah, right. Oh my <laughs> Imagine God. that mind. Yeah. Well, Actually, he knows better now, but yeah. I will say that when I was in middle school we did focus a lot on the Confederacy and it might be because we're, we live in the South, but I didn't learn anything about the union. I knew they won, but I didn't know anything about them. It was just all the Confederacy. And like, we know the names of Confederate generals and all that. Yeah. So I don't know much about the union. Well, so I, they weren't I, taught about the union. <laughs> for me, it was like, it's like, like I didn't know about Juneteenth until this year. I same. Like, I was like, how is this not, a thing you know like i yeah like this should have been taught it should be a public holiday like the fact that it took me 21 years and like a flood of instagram posts to finally learn about it mm-hmm. like yeah the 13th 13th amendment still exists yeah. <laughs> it's never really abolished fun fact um yeah man i don't I don't know. It's just education and relearning, like you said. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but, um, oh, well, Zach was talking about um, history and having to relearn everything that he was taught, pretty much. Um, reading, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, can I talk about the history, please? Give me one second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give yeah, me yeah. one second. 
Um, yes, I was reading this. It's an Instagram post, but it's really dense and very an interesting read as well. It was from the time that slavery started up until the death of George Floyd and how they're all connected. And it's kind of a mind fuck, but it's also amazing and really just like, oh gosh, it's concise, but it's so like sad, tragic. I mean, to see that, yeah, all of these things are connected and oh, some of these things. Itself. Yeah, no, it definitely repeats itself because it hasn't gone away. Like, like I said, the 13th Amendment still exists. Slaves are just in prisons now. Um, all the slave labor that's used in prisons to make some of our products. I didn't learn about that until my senior year. I was like, 13th Amendment says that? Yeah. <laughs> and then that's when I like was like, okay, now I'm like in this, you know? Yeah. Um, I've been talking to you too much, that's why. Not in a bad way. To me? Like, <laughs> Damn, the only black in the podcast and they're trying to kick me off my own podcast. <laughs> I said not yeah yes yes I'm sorry um God, I guess I, now you can go you on. know how you can fix it reparations yeah I I watched a really cool video by Ta-Nehisi Coates on reparations that I had never like seen anybody talk about like I never really I don't know I just never really heard people talk about that much and there's a whole YouTube video because he's a big supporter of reparations mm-hmm. and like I he went before Congress and talked about it. And he has like a lot of cool points that, or like he says it. I, I don't know. It, it like finally got to me. Like I yeah. don't know why it took him to get to me, but like yeah. At least he got there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like I always, you know, I always agreed with it. I just never really knew the points for why. Yeah. Yeah, you know, this whole COVID pandemic shit just proved that the government always had money to pay us they just never wanted to and they still did. people magazine i don't remember it was a magazine but um it's just like you see the white woman mm-hmm. and they're like or just non-black women in general and they're like the like polished you know nice clothes whatever in the magazine and then you see the black woman and it's like cleavage showing like Oh, they're so, and these are like some of these are like young girls. Is the thing though? Yeah. Like these I, are like I read, I read something that was like how like it following that line of how like the young black woman is seen as like what needs to be conquered, like the whole like Amazonian like and like and that goes that ties into like the strong black woman persona. Mm-hmm. But, like you can't have a vulnerable black woman. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, it's like kind of crazy that. Or like, and then you like really, and then I saw like a post about how to, for like graphic, for like artists and authors about how to portray persons of color in your story. And like, they were kind of using, um, they were, they like showed like examples, it was like Pocahontas and like a bunch of Disney movies, other Disney movies about like how like you can't have like the person of color be like the, the the person who leads the conqueror to like take over her lands, but then also take over herself. Yeah. And then you also have like the the mystical black woman who has to have like white hair and blue eyes because only those features can make you powerful and mystical. And like, I, yeah. I just, because you brought up Disney and I was just thinking like, there. <laughs> oh yeah, no, Disney is, yeah. Disney is a lot. 
it took them till 2011 to make one black princess. One. And guess what? She was an animal for most of the movie. Oh, yeah. That was right themselves. It was about turning the persons of color into an animal and not allowing them, having them being driven by the story and not letting them drive the story. Mm-hmm. And it was Princess and the Frog. And then the other one was Emperor's New Groove. That was the... Oh, yeah. yeah. Showing you how it happens. Like... Imagine how much I hate it here. Go ahead, Christine, because I can tell you want to say something. Oh, I was just thinking, I was going to change the topic. I don't know if you guys are still talking about it. You can change it if you like. Um, something I've learned about this past semester in one of my classes um, was conceptual incarceration. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. Mm-hmm. I think it, my, have you heard of it? Because my teacher says it's something he made up. But I don't know if that's true, but um, when I, I heard about so. it, I was like, whoa, <laughs> I never really thought about it like that. But it's how a lot of black people um, are incarcerated in their minds. Like their minds are in prison. They think that oh, yeah. they're not able to succeed in this country because they're black. Yeah. They think that they have to go to college on a sports scholarship because they're black and they can't get in um, through being smart. Um, and it's just so many little things like that, that I was like, wow, I never thought about that like that. And then I talked to some of my guy friends about it and they're like, yep, that's very true. And applies to them. And I don't know, it's just crazy to me. That like that term just means so much, you know. Yeah. What's your opinions on like that term? No, I mean it's definitely. I think it's sometimes used as like a trope, I guess, um, by non-black people to be like, oh yeah, that's why they can't get there, you know. But there really, unfortunately, there is some truth to it, you know. I didn't mm-hmm. think I could get into like the school I am currently in because I was like, oh, there's no, no, no. But um. Even then, even that idea is kind of why a lot of people in the black community don't vote because they don't think their vote is going to have any sort of significance. Yeah. But that's the problem because we're not voting. <laughs> Whether the outcome is what we wanted or not, I mean, that's up to fate, I guess. But I mean, it's still important to use what we have at our disposal to try to make things better and to change things for ourselves and ultimately just believe in ourselves because we have the power, like, more than we know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, like, the, like, conceptual incarceration that they believe that since they're Black, that they are going to be criminals. And that's another thing my teacher talked about was Black mythology. I think that's the word he said he made. So mm-hmm. it's like a criminal in the mythology. It's like the myth that they're, that they're dangerous, that they are going to be criminals and that they're going to be put in jail and I thought that was a really interesting term as well yeah go ahead Zach um recently um I've been I've had the opportunity to go down um in Atlanta and uh if you're from Atlanta or if you're kind of the area um where I was in Vine City and I was doing some some work on some houses there uh if you know Vine City it's not one of the best areas um you kind of just drive through and you can tell you know the houses aren't really good the community is kind of lack of a better phrase kind of down in the dumps um but me and adam go down there and his dad owns a couple of houses um and i've had the opportunity to kind of work with a lot of when i was there i was the only white person there and i've had a lot of opportunity to kind of work with a lot of older black people from a not good area and what what i've learned is that like all these preconceived notions of who people are and the fact like all these things that people have in their heads where they're like, Oh, black people are dangerous or 
oh, that's a bad area. There's not good people there. You're, you're only going to get shot or tricked or something. Like, it's, it's not true because I go there and I get taught these, like, important, like, life lessons. Like, I get to get my hands dirty and I get to learn how to put houses back together by these older black men. And they welcome me as, like, a member of their family. And I feel like to be able to, like, understand and comprehend that, like, people of color are people, like, it, it, I think that's such a big part of, like, the problem. Because, like, people have all these things in their head where they're like, oh, well, that's a bad area and all this and that. But, like, it's some of the nicest people that I've ever met. And um, I think that if more people kind of got out there and helped their communities, the communities that need help, not just where, where they're from, mm -hmm. um, it would be a real eye opener to see that the like people of color, you know, are the black Americans in our communities are great people. And they're just um, because of the system that we're in, they're less fortunate and we need to, we need to give everybody equal footing. You know, that should be one of our goals is that nobody has to worry about having challenges in their life simply because of the color of their skin. And so I think it's just, it's something that, you know, obviously it weighs heavy on my heart. I think that people should really start to put themselves in situations where they can learn more about people of color. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was a good end note. So, because we have two minutes left before you have to go to bed and nine minutes before this thing times out. So thank you guys for being a part. This was fun. For inviting us to join anytime yeah. Yeah. of course yeah. zach you're gonna have me on that new podcast oh, i mean i can squeeze i can squeeze you in somewhere you know oh, that's crazy that was yeah. crazy yeah. Yeah. definitely everybody can come to the obbl um scheduling behind me oh yeah you're behind peter sorry unfortunately. <laughs> and peter's like eighth on the list so listen i'm in this for the long haul so it's fine yeah, me too me too but um yeah um obbl if anybody wants to join that contact me at zach underscore billings 11 on instagram or you can go straight to our instagram obbl.georgia plug that shit who else has something to plug go follow we are america org on instagram thank you i'm gonna add all this shit in the bio anyway but yeah go ahead peter and the tough talks podcast yeah tough talks anywhere you get available anywhere you get your podcasts uh but no just spotify we gonna fix that baby because there's a way you can we gonna fix that i'll plug my i'll plug my stuff uh just go read did you write the books no no i'm working on it i'm thinking about writing i want to write a short story um but that's gonna be my input or my that's gonna be my attempt at making a change is writing a short story. Oh. But I don't know what's going to be so proud. I think it's going to be about like um, guilt or white guilt because I saw something like about how like people, it was all, I saw it on Instagram. It was like, you shouldn't, it was like, yes, you should feel guilty, but mm -hmm. being only focusing on your guilt then puts it all on you. And like white people are not the focus of this movement and that takes the matter away from it. So it's about like no, taking like, Trying to like evolve that into okay guys so that was the end of the episode i know it ended kind of abruptly but i don't know what to tell you we have lives um but i hope you guys enjoyed it uh i hope you guys continue to listen and educate yourselves and all the like um and make sure to follow 
at weareamericaorg on Instagram and obbl.georgia also on Instagram and listen to the Tough Talks podcast on Spotify. Thanks guys. See you in another two weeks.